We've been studying the story of our great redemption, the innocent for the guilty. And uh, you really need to go back and, and study these. I don't have time to re not even recap everything we've said. Uh, but because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you give your Holy One to see corruption. That's Acts 2.27 from the words of Jesus. Where he, uh, where Peter is teaching about the fact that Jesus went to hell for us, and uh, again I'll mention the fact that the word Hades there is the same word that's translated uh, hell, a flame, and torment that the wicked rich man was taken to, uh, and you can read that in Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 24. And we've said that Jesus went to hell in our place and he suffered what we would have had to suffer. Every human being was going to have to go to hell if they didn't have God. So Jesus went and suffered for us in our place so we don't have to go. We saw Jesus suffering in Hades for us in Psalms 88 and in Psalms 18. And then from the magnificent Jonah chapter 2. But something happened suddenly and to all of hell's utter surprise and confusion... God breathes life by his spirit into the spirit and soul of Jesus in hell. When all of the courts of heavenly justice were satisfied that the price for man's sin and death in all realms was paid in full, Jesus was raised up from all the realms of death, spiritually and physically. God saw the travail of the soul of his son, and he was satisfied that the job had been completed. And that's what Isaiah 53 and verse 11 says. Thank God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Listen to it. 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. And that's what he did in hell for us. Not just on the cross, but in hell. An innocent person for the guilty. And that's where I got this title, the story of our great redemption, the innocent for the guilty, so that he could bring you to God. He was put to death in the sphere of the flesh. Watch this. He was made alive in the sphere of the spirit. Now that's a literal translation. He was made alive in the spirit, in his own spirit. Why would he need to be made alive? Because he had died spiritually with our spiritual death. Why would he need to be made alive in his body? Because his body was put to death and he was resurrected. Why would he need to be made alive in his own spirit? Because his spirit became spiritually dead with our sin and transgression and the fullness of the curse. Well, when God was satisfied that the price for our redemption was paid in full, God breathed his life back into the spirit of Jesus, just like he originally did with Adam in the garden, when it says he took that body and breathed into him the spirit of life in Genesis 2-7. Now the last Adam, you know who the last Adam is, right? It's Jesus. Paul calls him that in 1 Corinthians 15-22. Now he has become, Paul says, a life-giving spirit. Now life can be breathed into our spirits when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. You remember the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Now this is, uh, this is our identification with him. 
You have to understand this. I'm, I'm looking for it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Well, the trespasses weren't. It, it's not talking about dead physically. It's talking about dead in trespasses. It's talking about sin death. It's talking about spiritual death. And we were in spiritual death, but we were made alive together with Christ. Well, when Jesus was raised up out of hell and given life, according to 1 Peter 3, 18, glory to God, then we also were breathed life into us. This was a legal transaction. And now when we receive Jesus as Lord of our lives, life gets breathed into our spirits. Glory to God. Here's another scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy 3, 16. Listen to it. It says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Who was God manifest in the flesh? That was Jesus. We know that from John 1.14. And the Word was manifest in the flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? So this is talking about Jesus. This, is a, this was a great mystery. And, uh, and there's still lots of parts of it that we don't know and probably won't know until we get to heaven, but we're learning more every day, thank God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that teaches us and instructs us. But now notice, this is talking about Jesus, so then it says, justified in the Spirit. Now notice that they capitalize the word S as though it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, in one way it would be, because Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter, and, and then he talked about the Holy Spirit, but really... This is talking about his spirit. He was justified, made righteous in his spirit. Now, why would Jesus have to be made righteous? Because he suffered our unrighteousness and sin and died spiritually when he went to the cross and then suffered in hell for us. And now God justifies him in his spirit. He's made righteous. And that means that God declared the Son as righteous when he raised him from the dead. Well, both of these scriptures, 1 Peter 3.18 and 1 Timothy 3.16, indicate that he was made alive or made righteous in the Spirit. Now, why? Again, because he had been disconnected from the life of God and had been in an unrighteous state in hell as he suffered with our sin and our damnation and our curse. Thank God that he was brought up out of there. <laughs> he was brought out of the state of spiritual death. And when he becomes the Lord of our lives, we come out of spiritual death into life and from unrighteousness into the righteousness of God. We get hooked up with the image and nature of God as though mankind had never fallen and as though we had never sinned. Woo, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that was something no demon ever expected to see in hell. 
suddenly the spirit of Jesus was justified or made righteous right in the middle of hell. Even as all of hell watched, but they were completely helpless, helpless to stop it. As we have stated from the scripture, from Psalms 22, Psalms 88, Psalm 18, and Jonah 2. Jesus went into hell speaking and confessing the word of God. And he was in hell. And as a final powerful declaration before God, he says, Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, Yeshua is of Jehovah. I mean, he speaks out the name of Jesus. Now, now stop and think about it. Because of Jesus' deliverance from hell, because of his exaltation, and because of his victory that we're going to talk about over hell, death, and the grave. Now, when we say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. Or, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to come out of them. Woo! I'm telling you, the fullness of the victory of the Master, Jesus, over hell and death is expressed and pronounced in that name. Hell trembles when somebody that has some understanding of it uses that powerful name in faith. That's why Paul, Peter said when the man at the beautiful gate was healed and rose up and walked from walked away uh, with new legs after he had been crippled all of his life. Thank God he was healed. And Peter explains in Acts 3.16, it's faith in the name that has made this man strong. Oh, hallelujah. When he said, Yeshua is of Jehovah, God responded to him from heaven with, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And I told you that Paul made it extremely clear that that was not referring to when Jesus was born in a manger that he was begotten of God. No, 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 no. Paul says it that that only refers to when he was raised from the dead in Acts chapter 13 and verse 33 and 34. Mm. This God has fulfilled to us their children, raising up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, this day I begotten you, and that he raised him up from the dead. Both before and after his quotation from the second Psalm, he talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. It only refers to that, never has referred to when Jesus was born in the manger. Okay, so get that out of your head. This is only talking about when Jesus was begotten of God, when God raised him from the dead, he was begotten out of hell and given a new birth. And we're going to talk about that on our next study. It's going to be a long one. Glory to God, because it's, it's, it's for two days. Be blessed.